Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, my man, uh, bonus episode time. Uh, we've been talking about this for a long time. And uh, listeners who've been with us for a while, you've heard us talk a lot about the importance of asking questions. We always talk about your fastest path to cash being the ability to ask the right people the right questions at the right time, whether you're a salesperson or whether you're a leader. Uh, and whether your goal is cash or just simply a decision, um, asking the right people the right questions at the right time. So we're going to talk today, Chris, about questions. And I want to I want to blow this concept up, and I want to take full advantage of the fact that we have you here uh, to start us at the beginning. And I'm going to let you kick it off. Yeah, buddy. I you know for me, I'm really served and aided by any kind of template or framework that reduces complexity down into simple, effective processing and actions. Life is complex. There's lots of variables. There's all kinds of stuff that can surprise us, catch us off guard and go wrong. Well, and this is why for me seeing the wins model there was a there was a big uh light bulb of like oh here is something that reduces complexity down you can take a sales process and boil it down and that's what masters do they they get through complexity to the other side of simplicity like the intelligence bell curve and and what wins does is it reduces it down so you can figure out am i in the want moment right now i'm in the impact moment i'm in the need solution you know moment and then the questions that need to fit underneath that so as i've learned the model and made a note of a ton of great questions you ask it's really just clicked so many light bulbs off for me with something we teach with leaders and i think for those listening you're about to have some big light bulbs go off so we reduce complexity down when we're training leaders on how to connect and relate to others to something we call the meta roles. Now, I could talk about this for hours, so I'm just going to give a high-level overview here. But what it's going to do is open up people's ability to think about, process, build their awareness on their ability to ask questions. So, Jimmy, when you are interacting with somebody, there's you know a million different pathways you can go down, Right. Right. Any number, right? This is the infinite choice, the human possibility. So we're reducing it down to three, and we call it this. Leader, empath, sage. These are the three meta roles. So we are reducing the complexity of human interaction down to these three meta roles to give you an understanding and a way to process and think through 
how you relate to someone, how you connect with them. Am I a leader in this moment? Do I need to fill the space with my personality, with direction, with energy, something for them to react to? Do I need to be empathic? Do I need to meet space where it is? I am meeting them where they are. They are sad. I express sadness with them. They are excited. I match that excitement. Empathically, I'm attuned to where they are and I'm meeting it. Or the sage. What does the sage do? Well, we could talk through a number of you know, ways that they are the sage, but the most pressing one to hit right now in this episode is you ask questions. You create space with questions. So the leader fills space. The empath meets space. And the sage creates space. Now, having taught this to leaders, uh, hundreds of leaders all over the world, now we have through our coaches, you know, they listen to a 40-minute audio on this and they get coached on it. Um, I can tell you that here's the flaw. Under stress, leaders run to whatever they're strongest in. So if they're good at providing direction and energy, that's what they do. If they're good at empathically meeting the situation where they are, that's what they do. And if they're a good question asker, that's what they do. They create space. The problem is when you don't know it and and under stress and you only run to whatever your strength is, typically in a moment of stress in leadership, you need to be doing one of the other ones that feels most you know, unfamiliar or awkward to you. It feels kind of weird. You're like, I'm used to meeting people where they are. And now I'm leading and giving direction or I'm leading and giving direction and I'm just empathically affirming them. You know, this is a big deal for leaders at home. They have all kinds of energy and vision and direction and ideas. And if their partner, spouse, loved one, the person they're in relationship with goes, uh, here's my problem. And the leader just empathically affirms them, yeah, that sucks, I'm so sorry, and doesn't provide vision, direction, or solution. They feel like they're failing as leaders, but they're not, right? right? So let's apply this to questions now with the WINS model. For some people, going through these questions and pausing and taking your time is going to feel awkward. Perfect example is yesterday. Yesterday, Jimmy and I had a sales meeting, and on that meeting— There were two times, Jimmy, two times where I felt a pause coming and I noticed my impulse to want to fill it with something entertaining. I wanted to fill it with something that uh, might tease out something, but I could hear you in my head (laughs) like saying, and and dude, it was awesome. I just sat there and I was like, I'm just going to look at them and blink. I'm not going to ask anything because it was a moment, and this is what's this is why this is such a powerful bonus episode to go really advanced into this strategy and this technique. It was a moment to not drive with questions, but to pause and to wait. Now, I'd like for you to help me understand why I felt that at that moment because I'm intuitively learning it. But all I know is what I can tell you right now is it, and I'll go more into leader and past stage in a minute because I've got an analogy I can give people. But all I know is, and I want to flip this back to you with this question, intuitively I felt pause, blink, let them say something next. And, and you know, you have this moment where there's this pause, it's like two seconds, and then they were asking something. It was powerful. And of course we know, got a text this morning, things move forward, successful meeting, right? Um, but old Chris 
wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I love this. So I think for the, for the audience, I think that it's really important to create context, right? So we talk about sales, practicing sales as a leadership competency, which is why we're talking about leadership today. Uh, people buy when they're ready, willing, and able to change. We sell most effectively when we're ready, willing, and able to lead people to change. So in that context, we can talk about leader, empath, sage. And uh, what you're talking about, Chris, is when you think of leader, you think of a leader filling space. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting is this idea of what do we fill it with? Maybe we fill it with nothing. Maybe we fill it with space. Maybe we allow it to exist. So, but what's interesting is um, when we're selling, there's always a goal in mind. The goal is the connection with the buyer Mm. and, and getting the buyer, walking the buyer to where you already are. If you already kind of see the vision or, or have the path in, in mind where, where uh, they need to go or whether you're exploring along with them, but you're still, they're still talking to you because you're the one that they're counting on to shed light on where they are and give them, you know, get rid of the fog, um, open up the shades, you know, help them see where they're going to go. Mm. So, so, you know, in that, in that conversation you mentioned yesterday, there were experiences where, yeah, we were, we were at the same time or in the same session playing the leader, but the empath, right? Meeting space, right? So as the empath, we were, understanding and Mm -hmm. connecting and allowing them to share with us where they are, right? Because everything we do in this context, it has to be customer centric. So we have to have that, the ability to understand where they are, respect where they are so we can move them where they must, where they want, where they want to go and where we want them to go. And then there's the sage that creates the new vision, creates space creates more questions um so so i think what's really what we all do as great salespeople, kind of naturally is bounce between these three we probably don't realize we're doing it but I, what i love is the idea that we now have a framework to think about that in yeah i mean and you know if people want to color in some more detail on this we do this with professional athletes take a professional basketball player if they only fill space with their energy, drive ahead, you know, then they miss the opportunity to sometimes meet the defensive or offensive player where they are, like the empath, meet the space, or be the sage, create an emptiness where they fall into, right? So you've got a Steph Curry crossover happening, and he creates space, and then the person falls down, you know, <laughs> right. y- you could use all kinds of like, you know, Eastern uh, illustrations with this and different martial arts and at, at every level what's happening space right. is being filled space is being met or space is being emptied and what's so powerful for people is to understand you're good at one of these naturally and the other one that you're weakest in feels the most awkward but you want to get to the point that you're like uh, you're like a beautiful 
rock band or song. Here's what I mean. Have you ever been to a concert, Jimmy, and seen where they're mixing the sound at the console board? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Usually be in the front or the, or the middle or the back, right? The whole thing. Yeah, old so, school. So that person who's standing at that soundboard, they're the artist, right? But there's a science to it also. So the bassist steps to the front and is playing a bass line that's really, you know, highlighted and aggressive at that moment. And you'll watch that person mixing and they just turn the bass up. Or the, or the lead guitar steps to the front, you know, or... They're that, producing as they go in, in real time. Boom! They are live mixing. The right. best shows I've ever been to have a wonderful mix. So it already sounds great, but that mix is not static. It's dynamic. Right. It's unfolding. That is like you and I right now, after this meeting, people listening to this, they're going to have a conversation with somebody later today. What does that moment need? You, you, you don't set the mix and you're done. An insecure leader or salesperson when they're getting feedback, well, that's just who I am. They'll have to deal with it. What you've said is I've overly identified with either leader, empath, or sage, and that's the only one that I'm comfortable with doing because of my anxieties, because of my insecurities. When leaders, when they're secure in who they are, Jimmy, we're live mixing it, man. Yeah, man. Dude, so I've got a great, yeah, I got a great example here. So um, I was on a call this morning with um, a client. Congratulations. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a call with a client this morning. Uh, uh, and um, and uh, they, they, they were doing one thing with us, but we were talking about something bigger. So it was an opportunity to kind of expand the, the relationship. And so I can, I, I'm, 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 vibing with you because here's what happened they said they they kicked off by asking me a question so 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 james um here's where we are where we want to be how can you help so that question to me how can we how can you help that was that allowed me to step in in my leader role and i gave a very brief uh introduction to where we what we do in the context of the of what they laid out, right? So that was me filling space as the leader, and I was taking the lead in a very confident way and adding just enough credibility and just enough um, information to build confidence mm -hmm. that they're talking to the right person. And then, and because they mentioned a competitor and the struggles they were having with that competitor, I ended my conversation with a question, my, my statement with a question. So tell me about your current situation with this competitor. And that gave me a chance to be the empath, right? Mm. It gave me the chance to kind of learn about where they were. So I had even greater, I had even more detail around the context of the struggles they were having, not just the struggles in the context of their business, but in making a decision of who to go with, if anyone, and then when they were done, I asked the sage question that created more space. Mm -hmm. I, I understand where you are. Tell me, tell me, tell me where you want to be, right? And it was in the context of how big, if with the right partner, how big could you be? What more could you accomplish? How fast could you go? You know, That's awesome. And we start, we started to expand. So I, this is why I was saying to you earlier, I think 
great salespeople do this anyway, but kind of understanding each of these three phases will give us a chance to kind of dial in where can mm-hmm. we, you know, where can we improve? But also if we're team selling, a team can kind of, we all can evaluate each other and help each other out by listening in on, are we well balanced in the questions we ask? Mm-hmm. Or are we more dominant in one area than the next? Can we, can we improve our game using the Steph Curry example by creating more moves, adding more shots, you know, having the ability to, to perform in a more balanced way in any situation. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, that's, I mean, that was yesterday, right? Yesterday, you and I are moving in and out of each other, uh, you know, leadership capacity. So you were leading and I was leading. You were leading a little and a lot sage, which was great. I was leading a lot and a little sage, and there was a good rhythm yin yang to that. Uh, And then those couple of moments where I felt this pause and I'm live mixing and I knew in the pause, and that's what makes great music, right? It's the rest in between the notes. I knew in that pause, I needed to let the space be empty as the sage. They were about to fill it. So sometimes it's just being quiet and pausing and blinking and moving at a pace that isn't rushed. But, you know, props to you. Like, you got range, man. I mean, you do interpersonally in our friendship, you don't miss empath moments. You don't miss strong directive leader moments. And, and you're bringing that strength of who you are as the sage. For people that are, are listening to this, if I'm with somebody who is world-class in sales, they tend to be awesome also at empathy. They tend to also be able to move in and out of these three modes. And so the you know, the cool part, as I'm reflecting back, even sitting here now saying this, some of the best leaders I've interacted with that have this range did have sales skills. Um, The problem is this. Let's imagine going to the concert and the person's moving the little dial up to increase the volume because the lead guitarist has just stepped up. And then let's imagine that goes from zero to 10 Right, And they're turning the volume up to 7 because that lead guitarist is coming up. It goes to 0 to 10. But there's a little blocker that only lets that person mixing the sound turn it up to a 5. He can't take it to 10. Or this one goes to 11. Throwback for people. So let's say that there's this blocker there because they have that on soundboards. They'll, they'll like have this little thing they can screw in. Digitally, of course, they can also do that. And then they can't... Re- increase that, you know, as powerful as they go. Now, sometimes they're doing that to protect it from distortion and whatever. But for most leaders, they have a block on how wide their range is. So they might be really expressive at giving direction, but they're a flat, they have a flat affect or emotional expression when they're being empathic. And what you want to do is work on getting your range up in all three you want to be able to turn it up to a 10 just in the moment as you need to uh when i used to travel travel around like to businesses and i'd go see the business somebody be showing me their business my my range at being a leader was a 10 jimmy i'm seeing like team issues or culture issues or or whatever you know but my range at being an empath was like a three (laughs) 
And I worked on that. And, and after some time, they would show me around their business. And I'd be like, man, you know, and I'm able to affirm and see so much and meet with them emotionally in that moment. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. Well, and let's, let's, so let's talk, let's bring that down to earth. Let's talk a little bit about examples. So, um, you, you're, your story reminds me of a conversation I had with someone recently about the difference between a transactional sale and maybe one that's more complex or more value centric, right? Oftentimes salespeople who are better at transactional sales are better at that in that um, context because there's less need to be empathic, Mm. right? They're just really operating. They're operating as an order taker. Now, Mm -hmm. now order taker is not a derogatory term, I oftentimes operate as an order taker or more like an order taker when I get a referral. Yeah, I was like, going to say, bring right. on bring on any orders. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's not a bad thing, right? In fact, in fact, a lot of communities and, and uh, businesses set up just to take orders online. No salesperson required because people were referred to the site. They check out the site. They read it. It looks, it makes sense. Let's go. So again, being an order taker is not, not a derogatory phrase. It's just a... It's just, it creates, it just defines the scope of our work in that transactional moment. The more value centric I am, and the more we, you know, focus on the wins methodology, um, yeah, the more empathic I have to be, the more customer centric I have to be, the more of a servant leader I have to be. And I have to understand who I'm serving so I can create that win win. I can be that growth multiplier. So, you know, it's totally resonating with me and I can, and I can, now I'm actually able to see at a deeper level, Chris, as we're interviewing uh, for salespeople for key roles, you know, what are we interviewing for? How, how strong are they as a leader to fill space, you know, be that confident force that a buyer can look at and say, Ooh, yeah, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of person I want on my team. And then also somebody who asks good questions so that they're not just pitching a cookie cutter solution. Yes. Right. Because a lot of, a lot of folks, if, even, even if it only requires the cookie cutter, if you treat me like I'm not special and I don't feel special, I don't feel like you really get me, then I'm not going to feel like you get my problem. I'm not going to feel like you really understand me. And I'm not going to have a lot of confidence in your ability to be successful implementing for me. Yes. And that's really what our the the client conversation we had today, the competitor that we were working against, he described the situation to me. And it was like, this guy just walked my client through a series of just wrote, you know, and I you know, just pathetically wrote typical sales bullshit questions that they ask everyone. And he was just strong arming this guy through a very specific process, wouldn't answer certain questions, wouldn't allow the client to interject or get him off path. And it it was three steps to a proposal and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same crap he does every time with every, every client. Yeah. And it didn't make my client feel special. It didn't make them feel heard. It didn't make them feel understood. It didn't make them feel like they were investing in something that was going to, that was going to be successful. Yeah. It's, you know, it's crazy to me, even as we're talking about this, reflecting back to when I was, you know, almost 20 years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm 25, I'm leading people twice my age, uh, a man in a 
serious leadership responsibility that I had asked to join the team, uh, really leading the, the, you could think about the finance office and, um, he had an amazing sage ability and an amazing empath ability, amazing leadership ability. I mean, he would leave the room and, and he knew how to bring what the room needed in such a way that there was an afterglow effect. Um, most leaders are, are getting lucky to bring what the room needs based on their strength, which one are they most developed in, leader, empath, or sage. The, the path to mastery here that's so beautiful is I don't need to lean on whichever one I'm strongest in. I want to be great at all three and bring what is needed. There's nobody listening to this, if they really want to get the depth of application here, that isn't facing some kind of, let's take a personal relationship. If you're facing right now a struggle with a personal relationship and they're not being, you know, extremely psychologically dysfunctional um, and you're not being that way, usually when there's a perpetuated misunderstanding, you're not getting a result that you want in a relationship, it's because you're not bringing the mode of being the meta role that's needed. You're bringing the one you want. Um, so that can be very reflective too for people to look at even uh, bigger deals they're putting together, sales conversations, you know, you're guiding this into this closure so that we can do this work together and ride off into the future. And when those hiccups hit, and I've experienced this this morning, uh, because I've skipped over something in the wins model, how do I get it back on track? Leader in past sage. And I'm paying attention to those three. Yeah. Am I filling space? Am I meeting space or am I creating space? Yeah. So yeah. I needed to lead a little bit and send a text this morning and, hey, let's get this done. We're both here. You're excited. I'm excited. Let's go. I needed to, to fill the space some. I also know that I'll be able to create space because we have a meeting. And so I'll be able to ask. Um, and, and for me, I just keep coming back to it over and over and over. And when I'm under stress... I lose the ability, you know, naturally to move in and out of these three. And I over-identify with mm -hmm. one. And what the WINS model I've found for myself does, it really grows that ability to be the sage because I know exactly where I'm at. You know, when you can reduce complexity down and go, okay, what, what do they want? What's the impact they seek? What do they need? As we get to that solution, I'm grouping the questions under those four categories. So it gives me a sense of where, where I am right now and where I'm headed next. Keeps you from getting stuck. Keeps you from flying blind. Right, right. And, and it also allows us to be, it also allows us to apply the WINS model to any situation, right? Exactly. You're not going to ask this, not every salesperson is going to ask the same questions all the time. And we're not even going to, even if we're selling the same thing over and over again, the questions aren't going to be the same customer to customer. Mm -hmm. so, so how do you account for the amount of flexibility that you need to be effective in all those situations? You have to, you know, master the leader empath sage. You have to master this idea of when do I fill space with my strength? Uh, when do I meet the space created by the client and understand where they are and when do I create space? Uh, you know, the call that I had today, um, 
the uh, the conversation went so well that the client said, you know what, maybe we don't need anything. Maybe mm-hmm. we're just, in, maybe we're in a great spot. And um, I truly, I truly believed that they were in a great spot if they never wanted to grow. Mm. If things stay the same, yeah, you guys got it made. What about in the context of taking steps into the unknown? How smooth do you want those steps to be? Yes, you guys are smart enough to throw shit against the wall to see if it sticks and then make the adjustments and go. But do you really want to invest the time and the effort and the money that's required to learn that way? Or wouldn't you like to have those steps laid out so you're not working at 40, 50% probability, you're working at 90 plus percent probability of making those right decisions? That was an opportunity for me to create space, to create a vision. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, it's, you know, instead of selling something, we just said, look, let's figure it out. I'm going to send you some questions, fill them out. We'll see where you guys are and we'll identify the gaps and see if it makes sense to fill those gaps. Yeah. So it was a real easy, easy conversation. I mean, you you were an empath to their situation. Then you provided the sage space. Then you led them by saying, I'll send you this questionnaire. And that's what, you know, this didn't just come out of thin air. For me, you know, I kind of geek out on looking at a, at a high level at like history and the arc of human civilization and how we've developed. And you can actually see when societies have organized throughout human history, there have been three offices, if you will. There have been the leaders, the kings and the queens. There have been the empaths, the priests and the priestesses, you know, and then there have been the sage, the prophet, the prophetess. There's, this breaks down in different terminology, or, or I would say this this is talked about in different ways, but the three hold over and over and over and over and over again. And what we've found is that in collective organization of society, we need these three expressions. Well, the people that want to be the best version of themselves, the best that they can be as humans, develop themselves into all three. Every People have the capacity to do it. And if, if right now any of you listening to this struggle with it, take whichever one you struggle with and practice doing it in the mirror. You know, and it, well, let's apply it specifically to wins and sage and asking questions. Practice these questions in the mirror. Practice pausing and looking. And, and before people dismiss this technique, I'll tell you why it's so powerful. But practice looking in the mirror and saying, well, what would the impact of this be if you are successful? And then stopping and not saying anything else, right? Uh, practice holding that, that pose, that, that posture, that engagement, that position. I don't mean pose or posture in a fake way. But the reason this is so powerful neurologically is because behavior that feels awkward just because your calibration is off can become normal and uh, just a part of your repertoire, part, part of who you are when you see yourself do it. Because we watch ourselves outside of our performance. And so we walk into a meeting, we talk to somebody and we walk away and we feel stupid and we actually, our calibration's off. So practicing in the mirror, seeing yourself do it uh, gets it into your, you know, visual cortex. You start imagining, you start seeing it, you start becoming it. Uh, if you really struggle with it, do it exaggerated. 
the more exaggerated you do it, the more you'll do it normal when you're with people. So if somebody has like a social anxiety and they have difficulty saying hello, when they walk into a cafe, they can practice in a mirror being like, hello. And then when they walk in the cafe, they'll right size the response and be like, hey, how's it going? It'll be perfect rather than hello. Yes. Thank you. You know, and, and that's something I think for a lot of salespeople they're going to get. But for the sales professional that wants to achieve mastery, you want to work on all three of these as far as you can in the wins model with the sage questions, practice it in the mirror. Dude, I had to do that. I mean, I don't know about you, but starting out, you're asking people to sign on a dotted line and pay, and you don't want anything in your voice to be nervous or, and I would just practice saying in the mirror, that'll be $200,000. You know, we're walking through the proposal. And matter of fact, here it is. It's not, it's not like a world-class athlete visioning how the dive is going to go, right? Or you know, how the game's going to go or how the play's going to go. Exactly. Uh, It's that you can practice physically, outwardly. You can role play. You can um, use visioning. Get the process embedded. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, embedded. Um, My my youngest daughter would call it manifest, you know. (laughs) That must be a term that took off like recently in popular uh, nomenclature because my kids have used that word a ton the last couple of years. So much so when I got a new iPhone, I had to pick a passcode and I was like, maybe I could try to, but the word was too big. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I I feel like um, listeners may be also thinking about, look, uh, would a podcast about questions really be complete without talking about specific types of questions? And, you know, we've been, I don't know if we want to go there today, but I do want to I do want to let folks know that if you're interested in specific types of questions uh, beyond, you know, beyond the categories, leader impact, sage, what types of questions would play, reach out to us, happy to send you a document that includes them. But, you know, I think, Chris, it's worthwhile, you know, just kind of thinking about the types of questions that we leverage every day when we sell, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm thinking about... Some of the basic the basic advice that I present to people is: Do you know the difference between a, between a good question and a tough question? Mm. Right. A good question makes a buyer think. A tough question makes a buyer uncomfortable. You know, and think about where that fits into the leader empath sage paradigm. What would you say about that, Chris? Uh, which mode that fits in when you're asking. No, I love this. You know, I I think that's the powerful thing about being the sage is you create this space. They reveal you've got to lead. You can't leave that moment hanging. And so whether it's a good question or a tough question, they're going to put something into that space that you failing to take that moment where it needs to go next is failing to lead. We've talked about this idea of sales as a leadership competency. Uh, so for me, it's a, it's both. It's that transition moment that's so powerful that you can't miss. Yeah. Um, good and tough questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we think about questions. Uh, we think about IDK questions or I don't know questions, questions that we ask to really test the limits of our customers' expertise. And when we can, a- when we ask a question that they can't answer, what does that say about 
our expertise. And what is that, you know, say about our psychological strength also to, to not run from moments where we may make them uncomfortable, but to not be psychotic either and so feel that we have to protect our own power that we're always destabilizing and we don't recognize a little shift needs to occur and we need to bring some empathy right. and some connection. Right, right, right. So asking those questions of, to, to understand what they know, that can give us a sense of, that puts us in that empath state. But as soon as they tell us, I don't know, that may even create space for us and puts us into that empath, or that sage uh, mode where now we are expanding, right? The client's sense of what they, now they're starting to know what they don't know. Yes, And now we're starting to bring value to the table. And it's a better way of building expertise than just talking and impressing somebody with what you, what you think, you know, Mm, I love that. I mean, and I've felt that, you know, in, in learning this in our meeting yesterday, the, the moment reveals your insecurities. If you, if you can't (laughs) not fill the space, if you can't not meet the space or if you can't not create the space, because I've, We, you know, we've coached leaders, business owners who are awesome at creating space, great at being the sage. They don't, in the moment when they need to do it, provide clear, strong direction. The the moment needs that. They're in a team meeting or whatever, you know. And uh, yeah, so I don't know questions. Tough versus good questions. What else would you give people a high level categorization of different kinds of questions? Well, I I think uh, another another. Two that that juxtapose are discovery questions versus provocative questions. So, like a discovery question, uh, which most salespeople are trained to to ask, really only uncover what the buyer knows or thinks they know about their situation. And so that's that's really where you're collecting data, right? Imp- information. You're learning, right? You're the empath about what the customer's world is like. But provocative questions expand the universe of what the buyer thinks is possible. So it it allows you to move from empath to sage where you start to ask questions such as, have you thought about this? You know, what we see in the industry is a movement toward in this direction. Have you thought about that? What have you done uh, to move in that direction? Um, How much more effective could you be in the moves you're making in that direction? You know, those kinds of questions that really provoke new thoughts. Well, and if you're provoking new thoughts and you're taking them, it's this idea on a journey that they couldn't yet imagine. And, you know, for me, that's what's so powerful with being the sage, getting to these I don't know questions. You're helping them see something they hadn't yet seen. How does that not become valuable? And so what I've seen with the WINS model, so much effort is put on uh, delivering value by teaching that in these initial sales exchanges, you're giving away too much in a way mm-hmm. that they're not ready to apply it. I'm not saying you're giving away too much with a scarcity mindset that you got to hold back because you got to get them to pay for it, although that's true. I'm saying it from an abundant mindset that, you know, I want to help them as much as I can, but frankly, I don't even know if they're ready yet to act on this. I mean, that was a big conviction that I've found in working with companies with consulting 
uh, and why I was so glad. Is it going to confuse if I throw in the GMI or? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in another episode. You see, we're doing it open and real here. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah, totally. But point of that is taking out where I'm trying to carry this weight and teach them into transformation rather than a guided process where I'm asking questions. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, We can think about, of course, we all know about open-ended and closed-ended questions. Um, What's interesting is in the past, uh, there was a lot of argument that a great salesperson doesn't ask closed-ended questions like questions that begin with is or are or do, questions that only can be answered with a yes or a no. In fact, great salespeople, great leaders ask both types. Mm. Open-ended questions allow us to uh, gather information and build anticipation, right? We can ask how and why and where and what, things that require explanation. But a great close-ended question can actually bring someone to a decision and then set you up for and create momentum in the relationship. I love that. Uh, very, very important. I love that distinction. Open-ended questions, we're taking this journey. Close-ended questions, we're, we're, we're shifting into a different stage of this journey. Exactly. So we're, we're closing this deal well down or you know any number of things. That's a powerful well takeaway. Yeah. And the, and the last, um, you know, I'll, the last two I'll talk about, and we can, we can wrap because I know we're getting close. Um, continuation questions, right? Are you asking enough questions? Are you going deep enough? Too many salespeople believe because they have a half hour or 45 minutes to get everything done in that first meeting, uh, choose to rush rush the relationship, rush their understanding, rush the conversation versus just resting in that conversation and taking full advantage of the time that you have and going deep with the questions. So continuation questions are critical. And then another way to think about this is when you're asked a question, you make a statement. If you want to regain control of the conversation or ensure that there's a more balanced conversation, Every time you make a statement, create the discipline to follow it up with a question. It could be as simple as, you know, so, so James, tell me a little bit about yourself. I give him a little sentence and I say, well, how about you? you yeah. know, what about your background? And, you, and you, you're playing tennis. You can ensure that you're going to speak no more than 50% of the time. But, you know, it gives you the chance also in your mind to, to, to recognize that you need to regain control of the conversation, which is regaining control of the Q&A. The yeah. people that ask the questions are the people that take the lead and control those conversations. Well, and, and what I've found as a leader, when they ask a question, they want to reveal something to you. Here's what I mean. Mm. And, and people miss this moment all the time. If you said to me, Chris, did you have a, a tree fort in your backyard growing up at any point? <laughs> right. You're well wanting to get nostalgic about something. You're wanting to feel rooted. And I get, and I see people get sucked into this all the time. I start going, man, I did. And then I start talking about it. And I never flip that back to you. I never, so the, there's a discipline in being brief and flipping it back to them because there's something they're going to share with you. And that's powerful. You know, now I wrote about this and put it in a book. And I'm kidding you not. The book that it's in, I'm in line at a cafe. 
this guy that I was placing the order from, we'd done work with their company and he had read the book and he asked me a question. Hey, did you play basketball in high school? He wanted to reveal something. And I just went on and on and on and on. With this big story. And, and then I caught myself and I was like, I'm an idiot. He, he's reading about it in this book and I'm committing the, I'm violating it. So I had to flip it back. Go. I, I, I didn't. Did you? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's the discipline. Um, that's the discipline of a great leader, a great salesperson is really when you're tempted to make it about you, don't allow your insecurity, don't allow whatever it is about you to make it about you. Mm. Uh, you know, it's always about them. It's always about the customer. And the longer you wait to share the information about you, the more anticipation you create about who you are and how you can help and the more momentum that creates in the relationship. It's all about that mo, all about That's that right. mo. That's right. We we shepherd it, we care for it, we guide it. Yeah, it's a great conversation, Chris. I'm glad we took the time, uh, a break from our schedule, and had this bonus episode. Um, you brought a lot, to, a lot of value to the table, man. I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. A lot of fun. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.